Hey friends, welcome to Boca, a podcast exploring the ever-blurring lines between the personal and business lives of professional photographers. This is your host, Nathan Holritz, and I'm happy that you can join me today in connecting with photographers and entrepreneurs as we discuss photography, business, and oh yeah, that sometimes messy thing that we call life. This podcast, it's brought to you by Photographer's Edit, custom image editing for the wedding and portrait photographer. Just visit photographersedit.com. All right, Boca Podcast listeners, we're here for yet another episode of the Boca Podcast, and I'm joined by really, a, I would say, a new friend of mine. I'm here with Laylee, and Laylee, pronounce your last name for us. so it's we get Imadi. This, Imadi. I want to make sure we get that absolutely right. We're here at the United Conference in Phoenix, Arizona, and uh, we're going to have a conversation about burnout, which is something that you're, shall we say, passionate about? I know that's kind of a cliche term these days, but... I'm so passionate about it. I would I would definitely say that I'm passionate about burnout okay. or preventing burnout, technically. Exactly, which I really love. We've talked about the idea of burnout in the past here at Boca, but today we're going to be a bit more preemptive in nature and that we're going to talk about how to avoid that to begin with. It's one thing to learn how to deal with it once it happens, but ideally we avoid it. And I love this topic because it's very much... It's very much a reflection of what Boca is about. We talk about saving time, working efficiently, ultimately, so we have a life. And, of course, that's very much what Photographer's Edit is about as well. So uh, I'm excited about this. We're going to get into that in just a little bit. But just to begin with, um, something that we talk about, speaking of time, at the Boca Podcast is this idea of how to create space for ourselves. And if our listeners chime in and they only listen for a few minutes, I want them to still walk away with something of value. So how do you create space in your life uh, whether that's for yourself or other things that you want to do in business, how do you create time for yourself? I think it's really important to actually take an overall look at your months, year, days, and kind of break down time in that manner so that you're making sure that you don't... I think a lot of us will make time for ourselves maybe one hour at a time, or we'll look at one day and say, okay, well, I'm going to make time for myself today. And then two months later, you haven't ever revisited it. So I like to block off a certain number of days per month. And I actually have a year at a glance calendar that I use. And I, I, that's the first thing I do at the beginning of every year is I block off those days. So when, when you're looking at these, how do you plan that far in advance? I guess that, that would be kind of a challenge for a lot of photographers. The idea of planning that far in advance could be a little bit complicated. Do you, are you planning your schedule based simply on the upcoming shoots that you have or what, what, what points are you looking at? Yeah, I actually, so for me, I have made a huge shift in my life. And this is what I talk about when I, whenever I'm teaching on preventing burnout is no matter what happens in my schedule, I block those days and I honor those days that I block. So I know that a lot of times for wedding photographers, it's difficult because you want to give your whole weekend to your weddings and that's fine. So then you block off like maybe two Wednesdays a month and you have to honor those. And I know that sometimes opportunities can come up and if you can maybe swap it out for another day, then you do. Hmm. But if I can't swap it out for another day, then I turn down those opportunities and that's what keeps me going. Really? Okay, so when you're talking about blocking these days out, then you're specifically talking about time for yourself. Yes. And is it yeah. usually one day a week or a couple of days a week or what does that look like? So for me, when I block off at a year in advance, like that far in advance, I'll do one day a month. But when I look at my month, before it starts, I add in one day a week. 
Okay. So I'm taking at least one day a week strictly for myself. And that actually means to me, it's not a day for my husband and it's not a day for my family and it's not right. a day for my friends. It's yeah. strictly a day for me. Really? And that could mean even it could be a day for me to read a book. It doesn't have to be business free. Like I could be reading a book on business or I could be, you know, I'm not even saying you have to go on a spa day. I could just be at home. It, it, there's no... I feel like there are no parameters that keep me from enjoying that day. I just know that that's a day of freedom mm. that waits for me in the times of high stress, in the times of never ending workflow situations where I know that that day just waits for me to mm-hmm. be able to breathe. Okay. And I, I want to, I, I mentioned to you before we got started, I kind of wanted to dig into the psychology behind why this is such a big deal to you. And I'm sure there's an interesting story or series of stories there. So we'll get to that yeah. in just a bit. But we talked about the idea of being preemptive. I love that you're planning these days off in advance. And I think it's something that we could all stand to do. I found myself, I mean, as much as I talk about this very thing, this working efficiently, creating space for ourselves, having a life outside of just work, I still, even as of late, we have been quite busy. And so that, that, that idea of taking time for myself or even just setting space aside for my kids to give them focused time or my significant other, that's something that's become a little bit more, I should say, convoluted, not complicated, because ultimately it's on us to do it, right? We just have to do it. But I love the preemptive action that you've taken in this case for that. And we'll get into a little bit more why and how to do that effectively here in just a bit. But that free time, if you have a day off, how do you like to spend it? Oh gosh, that's that for me is like I could go on and on for this, but I guess on on average, what I love to do with my free time is um, pick up either like a really great book or, you know, honestly, like I'll binge watch TV or I will I'll take time. Sometimes there there are days that I set aside to spend with my family and friends, and I like to go meet up for coffee, and then I'll usually actually get there a little bit early, and you know get an extra latte and take a book. And I really just try to embrace like the freedom Mm -hmm. and the time where I'm not obligated to be responsible to anybody else. Mm. And so I guess the way that I spend my time is that I don't put any kind of schedule on for that day. I just kind of go with the flow and where the day takes me, it takes me. And it's been, that's a, it's a very new thing for me. So, and and you seem like a naturally structured person. I'm very, I'm okay. very type so A. <laughs> the idea of like not having structure in that day and not being in control, if you will, of mm-hmm. what's going on, just kind of going with the flow. Mm-hmm. That's, that's kind of good for you, right? It's, it's been, it's been an uphill battle, but it's been okay. incredible. This yeah. past year, starting around this time last year is when I started to actually attempt this. And for me, the first six months that I did this, I felt an extreme guilt Anytime I didn't have something on my calendar. Mm. And so I would structure these. I would take these days off and there would be no structure. And the lack of structure made me feel guilty that I was away from my business or that I was like not pouring into my family or friends. And I was like, this is selfish. This is self, self-serving. And, and I have come to find now that that's like the opposite of true. Hmm. And you see significant benefit from that. I'm so sure. much, so much benefit. And we'll probably talk about this a little bit more, but what would you say is one of the primary benefits that you get from having that space? I honestly feel, I feel healthier. And I I say that in terms of mental health and Mm -hmm. and stress and anxiety. Mm -hmm. I I carry stress really heavily. Mm -hmm. And so I found that it physically takes a toll on me. And so I feel physically better when I make time for myself and it's, it's time that is completely unstructured and it's, it, it doesn't have to be a lot of time. Like I said, it could be a day, it could be an afternoon. It doesn't even have to be a full day, but having that, having that, 
just sense of it's almost like a breath of fresh air. That's yeah. like the best way yeah. I can describe it is that I can breathe better. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like the weight has been lifted off my shoulders and all the tension that I'm holding like up in my back and up in my shoulders. Like yes. I can feel it physically drain away yeah. and it's incredible. That's really, really cool. Yeah. You mentioned books. Mm-hmm. Do you have a favorite book or type of book even that you like to read? What's what's a book that's been extremely impactful? Maybe even, even as of late or of all time. I don't know if you have <laughs> like a top three or something, but like what's the most impactful book that you've read as of late? Oh my gosh, it's so hard because I love reading and I usually, I mean, I'm I'm not... I'm a little bit embarrassed, but I will I will admit that I read like some trashy novels from time to time. So those are like my fun days. Speaking off. of the mental break, right? <laughs> yes, yeah. those are my mental break books. Yeah. But um, the most impactful book I think that I've read lately is Brené Brown's Braving the Wilderness, hmm. and it it just was amazing. It, it provides a lot of perspective, especially in an industry like ours. Um, it's a, it's really an incredible read, especially if you're trying to navigate. Um, a sense of belonging or feeling like you don't necessarily fit the mold of of what you of society mm-hmm. um, and for me in particular it's been really good to reflect on in our industry where I feel like a lot of times we feel like we need to look like everybody else and uh, our yeah. business needs to look like everybody else's mm-hmm. so that's been a really great read what is, what do you think it is um, and we just heard Jasmine Starr speak at one of the the uh, meetings earlier one of the sessions earlier and she was talking about that that craving that we all kind of have to fit in. Mm -hmm. And that's particularly true in the photography industry. We're all looking at each other's Instagram accounts and we want to be like this person and that person. What do you think drives that? I honestly think it is a hundred percent social media because if you think about for me, when I look back on how I've always, I've always had a sense of wanting to belong. I think it's a natural human thing. It is absolutely natural human thing, but I think it's been accelerated and I think it's been, just made a lot more extreme with with how aggressive social media has become because mm. we have access to everybody else's lives mm-hmm. 24-7. Whereas before, we might feel a little bit less than or a little bit more of a craving to belong at things like you know conferences or when you're younger, school. And that only takes up a few hours of your day. Yeah. But now it's taking up 24 hours of our day if we yeah. let it. And yeah. it just gets to be so draining. Hmm. How do you avoid it? How do you personally avoid it? I have I have struggled with this and I will be the first to admit I have not yet perfected this art, but I've tried to set like limits on hmm. how, how often I actually spend okay. looking at other people's feeds. I don't really, I'm not a fan of the unfollow. I'm not a fan of, okay, this person doesn't make me feel the best, so I'm not going to follow them anymore. Hmm. I don't really think that helps. Yeah. I think that's hiding a problem. Yes. Um, so I think you find inspiration and you find motivation to look at other people's you know, lives in a positive way and mm-hmm. not in a comparative, almost, I don't want to say the word malicious because I think it's a little bit extreme, but I almost think that if it, if it gets to that point at where resentment builds towards others, mm-hmm. it can become malicious and it can, it can become to the point where people are saying, oh, well, if they had to go through what I'm going through and, and not that anybody would, you know, intentionally Ill, you put ill thoughts into somebody else's life, sure, but sure. it's an unintentional thing I think that builds from resentment. So I think just taking a step back and taking taking breaks where you put your phone away and you get out a book or you turn on the TV if you're not a big reader or you go for a walk, you know, and you just leave your phone at home. It's really hard. <laughs> it is hard, but man, it's there's such a relief innate to that Absolutely. as well. I I love it. I mean, I my phone is a significant part of what I have to do as an entrepreneur, but mm-hmm not having to have it all the time is just wonderfully freeing to even if I, I ride motorcycles. So I jump on a motorcycle 
and not and I have this little mount that I can put my phone on in front of me on the bike so I can keep like I can use it for the GPS right. or I know if I'm out my kids are at home if, if a message comes in from them at least aware of the fact that they tried to reach out to me uh, but sometimes it's nice to just ride and not yes. even think about that keep it tucked away in your pocket 100% or your bag. Yeah. like actually take a break right yes. so it's so important to do that I'm glad that you bring that up switching gears just a little bit though tell us yeah. something totally random about you that maybe most people wouldn't know just going to your, read your bio and your website or something like what's something totally random um i guess something totally random would be that this is actually photography and and owning my photography business is actually my third or maybe fourth career really what else have you done i worked in marketing okay uh straight out of college i moved to london and i worked for a publishing company and i was in their marketing department okay and then when i moved back to the states i worked in um, for a mortgage servicing company doing research and then I was a full-time teacher for, yeah, for about seven, eight, almost eight years what before I went full-time into photography. I started teaching 10th grade pre-AP English and wow. coaching the dance team. And really? What kind I of went, dance? Oh, a little bit of everything. Okay. So in Texas, dance is huge in schools because we have football. So right. the halftime palm squad type thing, it's okay. called drill team actually, but it's, it's, it's dancers. Okay. So I did that and then I ended up leaving the the traditional classroom and teaching dance at a public school all day every day and coaching their dance team as well do you miss that i miss it so it seems like it'd be amazing and i had the opportunity to teach uh photography just to a couple of classes it was in a um, like a a pre-career school what do they call there's a technical term for that kind of like a career prep um academy anyway in high school junior juniors and seniors and so these kids are, first of all, they're choosing, they're opting to take um, this line of classes or this particular class. So they actually are interested in what you have to say. And they're old enough where you can engage them basically like adults. Absolutely. And the conversation was really enjoyable. And that environment, to teach in that environment was really, really enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Do you enjoy it because of the age group? Do you enjoy it because of the subject, a combination of the above? What a little bit of both. Okay. I, I grew up dancing, and so I used to teach dance at studios. Uh, so teaching it at public school was really amazing because you're able to give the opportunity to take those classes to mm-hmm. kids that maybe wouldn't be able to afford it or sure. didn't have the option growing up. Sure. So being able to work, and the age, the age group for me was was very important. I think any teacher you talk to, if you teach elementary, you think high school teachers are insane. <laughs> right. And if you teach high school, you think elementary school teachers are like saints mm-hmm. and angels sent from above. Right. Like I could never do that. Yeah. So I miss it every day, but I actually have the opportunity to go back and I choreograph for all like a lot of the local high school dance really? teams in my area. That's so cool. I still get to see them. I still get to work with them. And that's why I primarily work with high school seniors as a photographer okay that makes sense well and speaking of i'm curious if you'll share just briefly your background in photography how did you get into it because you have all these other careers and you (laughs) choose to change yet again and do this what's the backstory there yeah so actually i started with my students i i started taking dance photos of them just for fun i always loved love photography as just a hobby Mm -hmm. um you know the way that a lot a lot of us do growing up and i actually think i got it from my mom who every time she had a camera would be taking pictures of flowers and grass and like anything around her and i always saw a passion in her for that so being able to to kind of pick it up as a hobby was great. And then working with my students was amazing. And I would, I love building their confidence. And I think that was one of the main tenets of what I wanted to do as a classroom teacher. So being able to do that behind the camera, we would have a project every year where we would have, it was inspired by Jordan Matter, who's a photographer, and he has a book called Dancers Among Us. 
And it's this whole series of dancers in everyday situations. And wow. so I modified that into a lesson plan for my kids. Really? And we would, yeah, we would go around the school and take dance portraits in all around the school doing okay. like really fun stuff. And, yeah. and that kind of turned into some of them asking me to take their high school senior portraits. And uh. it turned into them paying me with, you know, just... I. I it never was an intention for it mm-hmm. to become a career. It just kind of blossomed and sure. I found a love for it. And you'll hear a little bit more about this and when we start talking more about burnout, but leaving teaching was the hardest thing I've ever done. Okay. But, you know, being having my career start within my classroom, I think was just a really special and important thing for me to always remember when I'm running my business too. How long ago was that that you made that jump? And, and then how long did it take you to go full-time from teaching into photography? I have been full-time for, uh, I want to say, a little bit over three years okay. now. Okay. And I started my business about six years ago. Okay. So I think it took me about three or four years, including like the times that it was just a fun hobby, mm-hmm. um, to go full-time. And, and again, that was, that was really never my intention. Spoiler alert, I burnt out. <laughs> <laughs> and we're going to get to that. Talk to us about what type of photography. You mentioned senior photography earlier. Does that tie into your brand position? What is your photography business's brand position? Or more specifically, what sets you apart from other photographers in your market? Yeah, so I do. I work primarily with high school seniors and dancers. Okay. And then I'm also a wedding photographer. But I feel like in terms of in terms of my brand and my brand position, I, I work to empower and encourage and build confidence in every client that I work with. Interesting. So I really limit the number of weddings that I take on. Okay. I I used to only take up to five. This year I went up to 10 and next year I'm going back down to five. I'm, I try to be really selective in the, the types of, the types of people that I work with only because I feel that, that one of my strongest assets is being able to pull out confidence from mm. those who need the l- just a little bit of extra help. Okay. Yep. And so just empowerment, encouragement, and confidence, I think, are is, is my main brand position. That's interesting. Okay. How do you f- effectively communicate that, though? Because I, I can't imagine that, that the average individual who's looking for a photographer is going to go looking for a photographer who specifically enables those types of feelings, right? It's ultimately what that is, is helping somebody else feel better about themselves, empowered, enabled. Do you put that on your website? How do you communicate that? You know, I don't. And it's really interesting because I don't even think that I knew that I was doing this until uh, about a year and a half ago, I had a bride come to me. It was actually um, her and her mom came to the consultation, which okay. is not, it's not uncommon, mm-hmm. but typically I get just a bride or a bride right. and groom. Right. So this was a bride and her mom. And they said that they found me because they had done their engagement photos with another photographer and the bride just said she didn't feel confident. And she said that she saw in all of the portraits of my high school seniors, she hired me based off of my senior work for her wedding. And it was through that conversation that I found that even with my couples, that's what I strive Hmm. to, to provide for them is, is that extra level of confidence. And in general, I think that my referral based wedding business has come from a lot of the grooms saying that I made them feel comfortable in front of the camera. Uh. And a lot of them have said, have made comments. My brides have made comments like, Oh, I love that I see all types of brides and grooms in all of your work. I'm not just seeing, you know, the cover of Vogue every time I look at your work. And yet all of them look so beautiful and they look so happy and they look so just joyful. And I think that that to me speaks more about 
what I offer than if I were to just tell them that I'm here to empower you and I'm here to make you feel like a thousand bucks. Like, you know, I think that's something that everybody could say. Right. It's, it's very, very true. Effectively communicating that, that would be a, a difficult thing. The images probably communicate a certain feeling. Um, certainly your clients can probably speak to the experience that they've had with you when they're referring you to their friends, their family, or otherwise. This is interesting, though, and it really could be a podcast episode in itself. In fact, maybe we'll have to do another one at some point, but is there a particular thing or things that you do, if you could just explain it briefly, to help those clients feel more comfortable, not only with you, but also with themselves? I think that, and I again, I hesitate to sh- I he- I hesitate to say this in this way, but I'm just going to put it on out there and be awesome. really real about it. Okay, I'm a, I have a little bit of a self-deprecating humor. Okay, and so I think just um, I feel like in order for people to have permission to fully embrace who they are mm. and be themselves and allow themselves to feel comfortable, they have to see you feel comfortable first. Hundred percent makes all the difference in the world. Yeah, does that make sense? Yeah. Like, Absolutely. No, that's really, really good. The other thing too, and I'm curious about this because as you were talking, I was thinking about the level of energy. In fact, so for those of you listening in, we're we're sitting outside right now. That's why you're hearing a lot of background noise. And we have two or three different live uh, shoots going on right now. We've got models, photographers that are leading these shoots. And one of the things that tends to happen a lot when we go to these workshops or conferences and you see shoots happen is that photographers will not talk. They'll shoot they won't talk. What do you do to kind of communicate a certain level of energy with your clients as you're photographing them? Because they're not used to having that camera pointed at them, unlike a model who may be used to it. How do you, how do you translate a, a positive energy, I, I guess to borrow kind of a cliche phrase, to that client so that they feel good about themselves as you're photographing? Yeah, absolutely. I think silence is one of the worst things that can happen when you're shooting. And you see, I mean, you really do see it happen. I mean, I'm, I'm watching it happen right nearby us at this moment. And granted, these are not shoots with clients, but I think that that's a habit that can easily be picked up. You need that. You absolutely need to engage with the subject because they have no idea what you're looking at, what you're trying to shoot or not shoot, what looks good, what doesn't, what works. And again, especially for a client who's uncomfortable with that lens pointing at them, you have to help them feel comfortable. Absolutely. And I think a, a really, I want to say it's cliche because I, I've, I hear it so often, but it's so true. If you are unsure, if you're actually communicating well, Get in front of somebody else's camera. Yes. Take the dollars out of your pocket. Hire somebody. Yeah, Don't 100%. ask a friend. Yeah. Ask a, diff- a photographer who is not a friend. Mm-hmm. Go hire someone and stand in front of that camera and you will know that when they are silent, you will feel insecure. Hands down. There's never been You can't a help time. but wonder what in the world's going on. Are they yes. think, do they not like what they're seeing in the camera? Or am I and, even doing this right? What yeah. do I do with my hands? Exactly. Like, you know? Communication is huge, huge. Mm-hmm. And it really could be an episode in of itself. Maybe we can come back to that Absolutely. another time. But I appreciate you sharing that. What would you say is the biggest lesson or toughest lesson even that you've learned so far in business? Uh, a relatively short amount of time. I mean, props mm-hmm. to you for making it this far because a lot of photographers <laughs> don't. But what's one of the toughest lessons that you've learned that's translated to doing something different? I think for me, the hardest lesson that I had to learn was to include myself in my plans for my business. And when I say include myself, I mean, I, I typically, when I was growing my business, it was all about, okay, I need to book a certain amount. I need to make plans to book this amount in order to grow this business in all aspects. And so my focus was 100% on the business. Mm. And I thought that I was my business. So I think the hardest lesson for me to learn was that 
I as an individual have needs outside of my business and that if I'm not including myself in those plans, if I'm not including my family in those plans, then my business will overrun my life. That's a great way to put it. And it reminds me of something that we talk about quite a bit here on the podcast. It's the idea of a big picture view. So this big picture view, it's made up of personal and professional goals. Part of those are financial in nature. Um, for me, and, and what I encourage our listeners to do is to include time goals in that. Because it's one thing to say, hey, I want to make a certain amount of money. Um, but it's another thing to, to consider how much time it's going to take to make that amount of money. But these two big ideas then translate, in, in addition to our strengths, our, our known strengths and interests, translate to um, what we, what type of business model that we create, which then translates to how we spend our time. And having that kind of big picture awareness is important. But I love that you suggest the idea of including your significant other or your family, your kids or otherwise in that planning process. I think that's really, really important. And again, I love that we keep teasing like what we're <laughs> going to actually talk about, kind of our primary focus for today, burnout, this idea. But having that type of proactive mentality makes a big, big difference when it comes to creating space for ourselves to minimizing the chance of burnout. So this is very good. We're coming back to that. I do have one other question for you, though. Okay. Um, what is a favorite piece of gear in your gear bag? Do you have like a favorite camera that you've just recently picked up or a lens or an accessory of some kind? What's a favorite? Um, it's interesting, actually. So I, I'm a Canon girl, but I have been being wooed by Sony. I mean, yes. just, it looks incredible. And I just have been thinking so hard about switching over. But um, I would say the Sigma Art 35 that I just picked up, shockingly, I'm like in love with it. I think it's, I think it's a beautiful lens. And I think that just I've been able to be a little bit more creative with it than I have before. Because I, I feel like typically, especially working with seniors mm-hmm. and dancers, I like, I loved my 7200. I yeah. love my 85. Yeah. You know, I feel like I haven't really used a wider angle lens that often okay. for portraiture. And I think that it's been just, it's been interesting. It's been, I've really enjoyed working with it. You said shockingly or startlingly. So why would you say that? I think I because just of that. always like, I've, I'm like, okay, if I'm Canon, I'm going to be Canon all the way, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. And so picking up a different brand Mm -hmm. lens Mm -hmm. has been, has been really interesting too, because I, I think a lot of times we look at things that might cost a little bit less and we're wary because I'm all, I, I'm one of those people that I'm like, well, you get what you pay for, you know, but it's, it's a really reasonably priced lens and it's beautiful. I've loved it. Sigma. And I'm thinking back because it's been a few years to be honest. I'm going to share kind of shine a little bit of light on my age at this (laughs) point, but there was a lens that we were using for the longest time in our photography business, which was a Sigma. It was an 18 to 105, if I remember correctly, but it had a really nice focal length, but it was a Sigma lens. Again, my memory is, is, is betrays me at times, (laughs) but my point simply being that, that going to, I guess, ultimately going to an off a so-called off brand lens Um, has its benefits. And if you do the comparisons these days too, especially the quality of, of hardware that's coming out of these companies, um, I, I know that the Sigma art lenses have carried a lot of momentum, a lot of popularity as of late. Yeah. But doing a quick comparison, I, I think, opens up possibilities. I picked up, I, and I always get the pronunciation of this wrong, but is it Young, young Hao? The, the flashes? But you know what I'm talking yes, about. Yeah, and I actually we've mentioned use those flashes myself. Have yeah. you? Okay, yeah. Amazing for, you know, whatever they are, 70 bucks a piece. Yes. So I inexpensive. I use them every wedding. They're incredible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think we have access to a wide variety of hardware out there that doesn't necessarily have to be just Canon or just Nikon or even Sony for that matter. And, and it's fun to experiment and play. I mean, we can get carried away with that, <laughs> yeah. but it's fun to experiment with that stuff. 
All right, so let's. We've been teasing this topic of burnout, but oh, kind gosh. of throughout our conversation at this point. One of the things that, and I, I said this earlier, but we've we've kind of touched on the idea of burnout before, how to deal with it when it's happened. I like the idea of being a bit more proactive in dealing with it or addressing the topic before it happens. But you, you're obviously very passionate about all of this, and so I we have to hear the backstory. Like what what happened that made you so interested in this topic and did it happen kind of in between careers or after you started in photography what's the backstory yeah so actually I mean speaking back on my my life as a teacher that was I thought that that was going to be my forever career and when I picked up photography I thought this is a really great side hustle it's so much fun it it ties in I'm really enjoying it and um, as my business grew my, my workload at, at work did not go down at all. So I was essentially working two, full, two and a half full-time jobs because I was still coaching. Yeah, okay. So as a coach and a dance director, a full-time teacher at a public school, and any public school teachers out there know that it's not just the classroom work. You have right. so much paperwork and yeah. so many meetings, and it's just nonstop work. I mean, the myth of summers off, I think, is, is laughable. Mm. Um, so... I, I just never anticipated that much of a workload taking such a toll on me. And so I found myself, I, I can remember very clearly the day that I decided to quit my job. I remember looking in the mirror and my I had these terribly huge black circles under okay. my eyes. And I looked at my husband and I just started sobbing. And he was like, you don't even look like yourself anymore. You wow. don't, you, you're, you're like... It was almost like I was a shell because yeah. I had given and given and given so much of myself mm-hmm. to my students, to my clients. I was, to be quite frank, I felt like I was, a, I mean, my husband will fight me, but I felt like I was a terrible wife. I mm. felt like I just, I wasn't a good uh, sister. I wasn't a good daughter. I wasn't a mm. good friend. And so we talked about it that, that morning before work. And he said, listen, I think that you either need to put the business away and just teach or you need to, you know, take this jump and see where your business can go and stop teaching, but you've got to make a choice. And so that was devastating for me. I loved my students dearly and I still do. And I loved my job. So that was, that was a tough, that was a really tough transition. And what's worse is that I went into my business. Things were going great. My business was doing exactly what I wanted to do. I was hitting all these goals. I was, you know, a year in, everything was awesome. And I thought, surely now it's going to be great. I'm build, I'm making my own schedule. Right. Who could ever burn out when you're making your own schedule? <laughs> One would think, yes. <laughs> yeah. And so I got to that point again where I was up editing until two in the morning, never seeing my husband, not taking care of myself. My health was deteriorating. I felt awful because I went from a job where I was dancing for eight hours a day, super wow. physically active okay. yeah. to, I would have a few shoots a week, but then I was sitting and editing and answering emails and coming up with marketing plans. Yeah. And I started mentoring and even that was sitting and not a computer. And so it was just, um, I bur- I was starting to burn out and mm. I thought I can't run this business anymore. And that's when I was like, okay, this is, this is a cycle and it's a cycle that can be broken and I'm choosing not to break it. Hmm. And so that's when I started getting really passionate about preemptively avoiding, avoiding burnout. Which is a beautiful segue. Like we should just dive right in here. I know that you've got a couple of ideas that you want to share that you've ultimately learned from experience, right? I mean, you, you go through this process and I think it's one, I mean, 
elements of the story anyway, probably most of our listeners can relate to in one form or another. At one point in time in their career as photographers, they felt absolutely drained, a shell of, of themselves, yeah. as you described earlier. So what are the big ideas that drive an effort to proactively avoid this burnout? Because I think, and again, so much of our podcast centers around these ideas that enable us to to minimize the amount of busy work and the, the innate stress to that busy work, the the heavy load, which is running a business. What are those ideas that have enabled you to kind of step beyond that? I, I love this. I think that the number one thing I can, I can suggest is reevaluate your why. Okay. Because I think in the beginning, when we start our businesses, we are told time and time again, um, what's your why? Start with your why. Make sure you're working from your why. And I think, especially at, um, I mean, we're sitting here at Show at United. And, and so I think like this community that we're in right now, it's, a very, it's very much serving others. And so I think a lot of us start with our why being, it's, it's to, for example, a wedding photographer will say, my why is to create, capture these amazing memories for this couple to treasure sure. for their whole lives yeah. and to serve them on their day, before their day, after their day, and to be there for them. Um, to eliminate stress from their day, you know, and it's a service-based industry. That's what we do is we sure. serve others. Sure. And so I think that in the beginning, that's all, it's a beautiful sentiment and it's, it's, it's a really beautiful place to start from. But after a certain point, when you're working nonstop and you're up till two in the morning, your why has got to start to include you. So I think going back and, and looking at your first why I started my business because, hmm. and then, and then reevaluating and say, I run my business now because. And seeing what those things are, I think I think every business owner who is who has walked a journey will be able to say, "Okay, my why has slightly altered. It's grown and it's evolved." So for me, I would say in the beginning, I started my business because I wanted to empower these girls and make them feel great about themselves, and I still feel that way. But now I run my business to yes, continue to serve these wonderful young women that I work with and these couples that I work with, but it's also to provide a life of freedom so that I can spend time with my, my husband and my parents and go home because my family lives far and go home and see my niece and nephew whenever I want. Or if there's a crisis in my family, be able to go home for an extended period of time and my business will still run itself right. and I can still pay my mortgage. Right. Those are okay. Like, like being able to include yourself in your why is not selfish. Hmm. It's self-aware. I like that. I like that distinction. That's brilliant. And I don't think I've heard it quite worded that way before. So very, very well done. Well communicated. Thank you. Um, but this again plays on the idea that we were talking about earlier, the big picture view. And I think it's easy. And I know I can speak from personal experience. When I started my photography business, I didn't have a, a why. I didn't have a big picture view. I didn't know what my goals were for the next year and you know, three years, five years, 10 years down the road. Um, and I certainly wasn't very self-aware. So I think, I think this is something that a lot of photographers can probably relate in one, again, one form or another. Uh, the idea of kind of haphazardly starting a photography business, knowing that's what they wanted to do, but not really understanding what they're actually reaching for. And so they're just kind of taking a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And next thing they know, they're just slammed, quote, busy. But really, a lot of that is just a reaction to this haphazard business model that they've created. So I think, first of all, it's good not only to understand or to make sure that the why includes a personal element, which gives you space to take care of yourself and your family if you have a family. 
But just the simple idea that you would have a why to begin with is something that would be is a good reminder for all of us, particularly our listeners, because there is a tendency in our industry to just jump right in without having a not just I want to be a photographer. That's a why, sure, but a deeper meaning that drives what we do day to day. So starting with that is important, but then including the personal side to that uh, is really, really important. And the self-awareness necessary for that, you may have to take a little bit of time to think about what that why could be, but having that self-awareness is very important as well. So that's a really great, very powerful first idea. Tell us, share what that other big idea is that's kind of driving this really an effort to avoid the burnout that a lot of us, I think, can relate to. Yeah, so my second idea, um, my second really big concept that I harp on a lot is learning to identify red flags. Hmm. Um, and for me, I, I hear a lot. Um, you can use the word, you can use the word trigger. You can use the word red flag. You can say indicator being able to identify that you're burning out before you burn out okay. is one of the most difficult things that you can do for yourself. Hmm. But it's also, I think one of the most important. So for example, um, I use the example of outsourcing, which actually is really fitting because I feel like a lot of people wait until they're sitting behind their computer, 20 sessions behind, paralyzed with so true. guilt and fear and yes. just anxiety and yes. crying at their computers yeah. before they outsource. Well, you can't just immediately email out photos. I mean, it takes it takes a minute to get that, that system set up. Yeah. So being able to preemptively do that mm-hmm. at a point where you're like, okay, well, I've booked this many sessions. I might get a little overwhelmed when I'm trying to edit, you know? And so being able to identify that red flag of I've overbooked myself to, in order to prevent overwhelming myself, yeah. I need to put I need to put a little bit of action into play here. I'm so glad you bring this up because this is a conversation that I've even heard since I've been here at the conference. This this idea that an editing company is a solution for an emergency versus it being a solution, a global solution for or an element of your business, right? Which is we need to have post-production. I mean, the post-production is a necessary element of our business. It has to get done. The question, of course, is how it gets done. We can take it on ourselves, and we can maintain control and play the role of the, the, quote, artist in that. Or we can still be an artist as a photographer, create beautiful images, but delegate that work to somebody else, whether it's an in-house assistant or a third-party company like Photographer's Edit or otherwise. There are plenty of solutions there. But it requires the the kind of bigger picture thinking, which is, okay, this thing isn't making me, editing my own image isn't making making me money. It's eating up so much of my time, probably the largest percentage of time of anything that we have to do in our business. Absolutely. And so learning to give that thing up, and, and it takes a little bit of time. You mentioned the investment and in time that it does take. It's, it's a good thing to do to start during off-season. Oh, yes. Again, another time when photographers tend to avoid it, they think, I'm, I'm not, quote, busy. I can just do it myself. But it, it's important to go ahead and set it up during the slower season so that when you do get into busy season, you now have that taken care of. You don't have to stress out about it in the moment because you have 20 sessions backed up. So Absolutely. I love that you bring that up. Yeah, I mean, I think... I think it's the same on the same level as um, being able to identify if you can't if you struggle to identify things intrinsically, being able to recognize external cues. Hmm. For example, a lot of times my friends would be like, well, you have said no to seeing me for months. Wow. You got to slow down, girl. You know, and, and I would almost get defensive or my husband would be like you're becoming a little bit of a workaholic Hmm. and by becoming, I mean, he probably said you're a straight up workaholic. (laughs) I'm trying to be a little bit kind in this, in this reenactment here, but, (laughs) but I really was. And I think that, um, it was hard for me to see that because I want to be, 
I want I want so so badly to be fiercely protective mm. of my business and mm-hmm. what I've grown, mm-hmm. and we want to take pride in our work. And so I think we become very quickly defensive of when other people are trying to cue us in yeah. on those red flags. Yeah. So I think just being able to take a step back, look at the big picture, mm-hmm. and say these people might actually have a point here. They might be right. I might need to take some action. I might need to grow my team. I might need to think about outsourcing, you know, and that's when you start taking, taking steps forward as opposed to, I'm going to wait until I'm like laying on my bathroom floor, sobbing with my husband in the other room being like, okay, it's time to quit your job. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's true. There, there is, it is easy to get caught up in the busyness of it. And then, then we're stuck, highly stressed out, and the scene that you're describing on the bathroom floor crying or whatever it might be, whatever your version of it is, that it's easy to get get into that space if we don't take preemptive action. And I love this, starting with understanding the why behind what we even do in the first place and making sure that an element of that why, that, that big picture view is, it includes us. It includes what we want for ourselves on a personal level for our significant others in our lives. That's important. Identifying the red flags, it requires self-awareness, Absolutely. which is a multiple conversations in and of itself, but then also a willingness to kind of set ego aside and, and take feedback from those closest to us and say, Hey, you're, you're not kind of the way that you described earlier. You're a shell of yourself. when your husband said that you're not yourself, this is what you're doing and being open-minded enough to take that feedback and make change is, is good. Um, and I think preemptively again, with those close relationships, even telling whether it's our significant other or our close friends or family, Hey, please let me know. I'm, I'm working my butt off here. I'm, I'm trying to build something. If I'm not myself, if I'm getting so carried away that I'm not connecting with you all, just give me a heads up. Yeah. That, that kind of communication, I think would probably make that process easier too. Absolutely. I think, I mean, it's another form of accountability. I feel like a lot of times in business, we're like, oh, I need an accountability buddy to keep me on track with my goals. And yeah. it's like, well, maybe you need an accountability buddy to keep you on track with your life. Hmm. That's good. That's good. And I think it's a great way to kind of sum up our conversation too here. I would love for you to share with our listeners where they can find you online, your website, social media. Um, they may be curious to kind of follow what you're doing and see some of your work. What, what are those? Yeah, you can find me um, pretty much anywhere at Laylee Imadi. So on Instagram, I'm at Laylee underscore Imadi. I know it's it's a lot to spend. And go ahead, go ahead and spell it out for our listeners, too, if you L-A-Y-L-E-E. And there's not a lot of me out there. So no, yeah. You can pretty much find me based on the first name. And then my, my website is just laylimadi.com. And that's E-M-A-D-I, E-M-A-D-I correct? E-M-A-D-I, yep. Perfect. Yeah, I know. I'm in a similar boat. If I search whole writs, I think there are all of... <laughs> maybe 10 of us, literally 10 families in the whole U.S. or something like that. It's, it's kind of, uh, it makes us unique, but then you always get the, the weird pronunciations of the names, and I'm yep. sure you've had plenty of this. It's the and the pronunciation that's rough, but it's nice to be easily found. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Well, I'm glad that we've had this conversation. I really appreciate you making time to share with Boca. Uh, maybe we can do a, a round two at some point in time. I think we've I touched on that. multiple topics here that we could, that we could dive into more, but yeah. thank you so much for making time for the Boca Podcast thank today. Thank you so much for having me. This is fun. Absolutely. Thanks so much for listening to the Boca podcast today. Will you let us know what you think by leaving a review of the podcast in iTunes or maybe in the Apple podcast app? And I'd love to hear from you personally with your thoughts about the podcast, maybe suggestions about future topics and guests for the show. My direct email is nathan at photographersedit.com. The Boca podcast is brought to you by Photographers Edit custom image editing for the wedding and portrait photographer. Just visit photographersedit.com.